0: Hey ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Hangry and Horny. This show is sponsored by my friends in Flagstaff, Arizona, Ross and Kara of F-Bomb Nut Butters. They make delicious macadamia-based nut butters that are awesome for a snack, for a quick energy shot, or if you're interested in a light meal that doesn't bog you down energy-wise. Go to dropanefbond.com and use the promo code FLOWREAL at the checkout. And that will give you 20% off of your first order. They make macadamia and nut butters that have pecan in it. There's one with coconut. Another one with sea salt. And one of my favorites with salted chocolate. They also have other oils like olive oil. They have MCT oil for people that like to do, you know, fat coffee. And they also have avocado oil. So if you're interested in getting some healthy fats, nice smart fuel into your diet, go to dropanfbomb.com or the shortened version, fatbomb.com and use that promo code and get yourself some amazing nut butters. My next guest is another dear friend of mine who I've only known for just under a year. I met her in London at a graduation dinner for the London Real Academy. And she is a nurse that specializes in basically delivering babies, helping women through labor and postpartum. Her name is Tiara Owen and tiara is an amazing human being she's not only a nurse but an awesome wife and mother to her children she's almost like a superhero in my mind because of her way of balancing you know work and life and family life and uh even self-care which she talks about in her website called nursing ourselves where you know with the busy life that she has that she takes time for herself so that she can recalibrate her body mind and spirit so that she can be the best in the world as a nurse again as a wife as a mother as a friend to all others so please give it up to Tierra owens peace
1: Here, Owens. What's happening? Welcome to Hangry and Horny. So glad to be here with you, Tony. This is a great honor. Thank you.
0: Thank you for coming on. So we are in the backwoods here in Aptus, California, right? Which is just right next to Santa Cruz.
1: Yep. Yep. About 10 minutes south.
0: Nice, nice. So give me a little background about yourself. You're a nurse, mm-hmm. and we actually met in London uh, a few months ago. What, what was that like? back? December
1: in, of 2017. Yeah, so mm-hmm. almost
0: a year. Mm-hmm. Almost a year ago, and you know, through mutual friends with Chris Albert, who was a former guest on Hangry and Horny, yep. and uh, Shauna Alvarez, his girlfriend. You guys were talking during this London Real graduate uh, graduation dinner, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Sean is also a nurse, so she and I just clicked right away. And then she said, "Hey, you got to meet somebody. I want I want you to meet this guy over here." <laughs> and then she brought me down to you and said, "Hey, this is you know I want you to meet Tony." And I came up to you and was like, "Hi, I've heard I've heard about you. I've heard you got some really cool stuff going on." And santa cruz and i'm from santa cruz so yeah so gosh let's meet up and it went from there
0: yeah it was really cool you've been a big part of magic flow bus Mm -hmm. and uh you know it's just really neat to hear your story of being a nurse uh you worked in like uh like deliveries right yes yes
1: labor and delivery yeah right
0: so how long have you been involved with that
1: Let's see. Um, Probably going on now about 20 years in a roundabout sort of way. I started out, um, it's actually a little bit further than that. Um, I started out finding a book um, before I had my first daughter that... um, just got me remembering that I had uh, this experience when I was even a, almost a teen um, about having a little sister and being that old, having another sibling, I was pretty cognizant of the process, I got to learn a lot about it, and so finding this book again when I was in my early 20s, I was like, oh I remember this, I remember this is like something that was so interesting to me in this time, so so interesting and passionate and connective and having a new person come into your life Um, so with this memory um, I kind of like put the book away and I held on to that thought kind of inside me for a few years and then I became pregnant and so I had a little girl of my own and during that experience um something clicked and i said this is the work i have to do
0: wow and so
1: from there it it kind of evolved a little bit further into some trainings where i got invited to go to people's births and just be their support person and then got officially trained in like how to do that well and then went um to another training that had to do with feeding babies and breastfeeding and so During that training, I thought, oh, you know, this will just give me some more experience to be able to support women. And during that training, the woman that ran the training referred me to a woman that works at my current hospital and said I think that this person uh, would be would be a really good fit for your hospital in your lactation program. So they hired me there and this is back in like 2001 um, and I worked there for four years. I went to nursing school while I was there working in their lactation center. And got hired the right into their labor and delivery department. And that was like 13 years ago. So I've been there for a while. And um, yeah, it's just uh, it's just the love of my life. Like outside of my family. This is like my second family, my second home, and my passion.
0: Right. So what was it that clicked when you read that book? And then when you actually had your first kid, your mm-hmm. daughter?
1: Um. Well, this book was about home birth and the sister that I was part of her birth. I wasn't actually at her birth, but I was like going to all the Ma's classes back then with my stepmom who, when she was pregnant with her and was just really close to the whole process and learning about it. So when I saw this book and I had already kind of been definitely on a bit of like an alternative healing Pathway in my life, and so I saw this book, and it was about home birth, and I thought, oh, this this is how I want to have my baby. You know, I I'm I'm really interested in this, and this is something that's just such a natural process in life. Why do we need to be in the hospital to do this? So, so that kind of seeded with me, and then when I um, got pregnant with my daughter, my partner and I at that time decided, like, well, yeah, we we want to have our baby at home. So. Um, so th- what what, um s- yeah, that seeing that book, and what clicked for me was the importance of birth uh, and it being a a natural opening doorway for people, not just women, but fathers and sisters and brothers too into a new experience and it's just something that we all do pretty much mm-hmm. if it's not something personally for you 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 have usually a sibling or you have somebody very close to you that you're involved in this um, so seeing that I was just blown away about um, how important this doorway was and I said hey I want to get involved in this kind of liminal space because you're kind of going in between two worlds here and i want to explore that a little bit Mm. so that was my opening giving birth myself and seeing what that was all about and then really kind of having the confirmation through that experience that, like okay i i know where i'm supposed to be
0: right why did you think that uh these natural births at home or out in nature in some parts of the world right like Mm. got brought into the hospital setting Mm. like what where was that transition?
1: Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, first, I guess I, I have to say, I mean, there, there is an importance for birth being in the hospital's Some of the time and actually most of the time, if that's where that person's comfortable, it really has to be like you have to have a really low stress load when you're about to deliver a baby. And if there's any part of the environment that's making you feel more stressful and the hospital does that often, but some people have so much trust and comfort in there, they're actually going to lower their... Uh, stress hormones, actually, just being feeling safe,
0: uh, yeah. but um, in case something goes wrong, exactly,
1: right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they feel like they have their comfort there, so it's important to honor that. But um, there is a whole history of um, the power of birth being taken out of the hands of the women and being put into the hands of male obstetricians, and it it started uh, quite a long time ago, but got very powerful um, as the Industrial Revolution uh, developed. And even because it was a money issue for a long time, still people couldn't really afford to have births in hospitals. And so that um, didn't come along until later and until um, insurance became such a big part of our lives. So over the the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s is when we really saw that that power diminish. And um, you saw the very uh, deep kind of drug-induced bursts that right. happened to yeah. people without any really power or control or really memory right. of what what transpired during that
0: time. Some sort of like big business, pharmaceuticals, uh, all that
1: experimentation, so, <laughs> right?
0: So you know, so what something became natural became like we're gonna give you a surgery a cesarean mm-hmm. cesarean section mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know we'll take the baby out that way mm-hmm. we'll we'll put epidurals in you mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. like it became a little more invasive and
1: mm-hmm. you know or like my time frame is not really being suited here so we're going to make sure that this process is sped up, sped up so we can we're gonna do deliver more by golf time tea time you know
0: um. and
1: um that, uh, you know, or, you know, we're going to push on your belly really hard to make sure that your uterus is pushing the baby out and just oh. deliver the baby, you know, the way it's meant to come out, but with a lot of force. and Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: And then, yeah, tools, forceps. Tools, and... <laughs> yeah.
1: Surgical implements, like I yeah. said, like a lot of experimentation.
0: Right. And that just sounds really scary and mm-hmm. freaky. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: And that's why they used drugs a lot of times, like, scopalamine you know which is we know is a hallucinogen Mm. you know and um it's not gonna give you the kind of experience of reality during that time and so you're gonna have uh you know maybe like not remember it or you're gonna think something totally else was going on
0: right so i mean the baby's probably experiencing some level of of that intoxication right? right because they're still attached Through the placenta.
1: Yeah. And trauma. Right. right? I mean, these weren't gentle experiences that these uh, beings were going through. And, And not that, you know, even the most beautiful births I've seen some trauma experienced in them, but at least... In many of those cases, there's like some intent that's quite different, Mm. you know, and a lot of um, healing hands and healing support in terms of getting those babies out safely and well, right? Taken care of by their mamas. I mean, it's really, I'd say, in that even while I've been working, like the last 10 years, 15 years or so, that we started actually handing babies to mothers right after delivery, you know, no holding upside down, no drawing off in between their legs and then getting their baby. Like they come directly out and they go directly into the arms. In fact, most of the time we, if the mom is very, um, if we can get her to focus enough, which most of the time we actually can, we tell her to reach down and pull her baby out. Like once the ha- arms and uh, shoulders are out, reach down, reach down, get your baby wow. and, and put the baby on themselves. So it's quite a change. And that's even happening in the hospital. Yeah. And it's even happening with epidurals. So okay. if, if a woman chooses that, there's no shame to that. Right. Um, it might even be a compassionate choice in some instances. But um it's a it's a big it's a big difference from okay. years ago.
0: Yeah, there seems to be a lot of invasive <laughs> procedures going on mm-hmm. and you know, they're saying all the babies too young to even remember, mm-hmm. you know, and what are your thoughts on that? Do <laughs> you think the baby actually remembers? Because I've heard uh, some theories that, you know, when people have these memories of alien abductions or something, that it, it kind of maybe mimics what the baby remembers or the person mm-hmm. has a memory of being uh, birthed. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you're in a sterile environment. It's mm-hmm. bright lights. lights the, yeah. the doctor has a mask on oh, yeah. and they're, like, pulling. So the baby might have, like, a distorted, like, because they're just now opening their eyes and like seeing the world and so they have a memory of it's an actual doctor yeah maybe uh, like the
1: the glasses on or something or maybe their eyes look real big yeah yeah,
0: real big (laughs) and and so you know it's like that that's an actual pretty cool like hypothesis Yeah, yeah, yeah right yeah yeah so do you think that babies have a memory of like that Sort of vent or, or being and in a wound or you
1: know, absolutely, or, yeah. I mean, I think that there's enough evidence of people having like recall through different experiences that they either, um, you know, are in a trance state or they're, um, doing some you now hypno, um therapy um or um you know been able to be in like deep meditation where they've had like recall of some experience that they're able to put together older in their life about what happened at their birth i personally haven't had that but even on the most basic level the cognition of a newborn is nowhere near like even a child's but is it like the most impressionable do they not have bodies full of neurons? In fact, you know, when you're in your first year, you're like tweezing out like so many of your neuropathways. It's all about pruning. So I think that they're even like extrasensory at that time. So whether um, or how they remember it is probably a good question, but um, it's in their bodies. It's absolutely. somewhere, right? Yeah. Yeah,
0: because there is stiff- are indications of like trauma being stored in the tissues mm-hmm. uh, the quote is the issues is isn't in, in the tissue so when people get like body work and right. they start to have like these emotional releases or their body starts shaking i don't know why You know, I think a lot of this stuff is pretty speculative. Right, right. We're very into the alternative uh, world, but there's some stuff there that can be a bit hoaxy. Mm -hmm. Um, So like we were talking about earlier about like how your husband's an artist Mm -hmm. and a teacher, Mm -hmm. but he's like super skeptical and Mm -hmm. he's like more on the like... Uh, measurement data side whereas you are a nurse, a scientist but you're more on the woo side (laughs) so I think there's uh, an awesome balance between you two because there's a lot of stuff obviously that goes on, phenomenons in our life that is a bit unexplainable or people like to create stories or narratives around it but the fact of the matter is you got like a little human creature, a little being that obviously can feel yeah. So they're crying or feeling something, you know, they go from some beautiful, warm environment to like a, <laughs> the reality right. of the cold reality yeah, of the physical cold, world. Like, right? Painful
1: pressure. Yes. Yeah. And yes, uh, you know, being stretched, you know, having their limbs wide open, which they could never, ever do before. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, stored somewhere in there. And who knows where it goes. I'm sure a lot of us have some unpacking to do around that because most of us were born in the age where birth was not being treated in the sacred way that it is, uh, in many places here in the United States, um, in hospitals. Um, and so, yeah, there's definitely a sensation around that. And I think that, you know, I mean, I, in terms of being woo woo, like I just think that I entertain the possibilities of what can, um, what can happen, and what is uh, something to just kind of be aware of that we can take care of better,
0: right? Yeah, that these things, uh, just like what science had uncovered uh, in the past with things that we can't see um, through measurements, they're able to uh, show, and there's evidence behind it because so right. our senses just can't pick it up, right? right? But certain animals can, or uh, so I think in some sense like we're in agreement that you know these things uh probably are around it's just that we don't have the measurement capabilities to pick up on some of this stuff that happens through like spontaneous healings or people have a a switch like even just like multiple personality uh, symptoms that they have diabetes in one personality and then like they switch personalities and there's no diabetes there yes
1: Yeah, a mind-body connection there, just so blatant and material. Yeah. Yeah, 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 no, that's really amazing. Yeah, and just what we were talking about before in terms of science and, like, how we build the story on what we know— and we have to kind of know that that is like a version of story, that it's not fact. And, you know, when we were talking about like kind of archaeological records and stuff, like, well, you know, we don't have 99.9999% of the story because everything's gone from behind. So so what we build on now, and yeah, we probably are getting closer every step of the way. But um, Do you
0: like genetic testing? Yeah, right. yeah. yeah.
1: But don't you think we're like pretty far away still from like <laughs> what yeah, really happened?
0: Absolutely. And yeah. that's the uh, where people. Uh, I want people to know that you have a, a background in cultural anthropology.
1: Right, that yeah. was what my bachelor's degree was in. Yeah, yeah. so you
0: guys studied like humans and, and their cultures and like ancient histories and mm-hmm, that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, fossilized yeah. records and yeah, yeah. trying to put together like what exactly was going on with humans as we evolved and, yep. you know, yeah. and then there's like the narratives. The way
1: missing links, missing links, yeah. right? <laughs> right? Right, right. And
0: the narratives around like religion, right, mm-hmm. which are mm-hmm. in s- some way basically stories, right, that a, a bunch of people buy into and, and say it's it's truth, their their own personal truth. Like right. uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson was saying on Joe Rogan recently, it was like, you know, there's actual scientific facts like truth, Mm -hmm. you know, that's Mm -hmm. uh, irrefutable Mm -hmm. by like a bunch of experiments and other Mm -hmm. people that are skeptical and they get the same data, experiment after experiment. And then you have like what he coined as people's like personal truths, you know, it's like more beliefs, but he's like, they believe it's true. Yeah, No one's going to tell them otherwise unless they have some, something else that shifts them to realize like maybe, Maybe I need to like question like my reality of what I believe is true according to this religion, right? You know,
1: right? And, and if
0: some of these things are unexplainable, because I've had these holy shift experiences, and mm-hmm. I I I wouldn't be able to say it was like some God or 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 I mean, I've actually heard like angels singing, but I I can't like t- I can only tell that story to people. But I can't get them to, like, believe me. Like, you know, I know it happened. But it could be something that went on in my brain. Or when I had an outer body experience, I had, like, a flu, you know. And so the flu maybe induced me to be like out of my body looking down like right so, right but what was I, right yeah or maybe
1: a, you were just more open to the possibility of something giving you a message or having somebody that was guiding you you right. know being in the flu so yeah who knows this who knows po- so many possibilities i know
0: it's crazy <laughs> we, i was talking to jordana the other day she's on the next podcast awesome. uh, before you jordana uh, yeah jordana adler episode 21 you're 22 and uh yeah we were just sort of talking about like living in a virtual simulation like i don't know it's just it just seems that when we're in these like hidden states of flow Mm -hmm. where we start to see like patterns right and and they say that like schizophrenics see like patterns all the time so Mm -hmm. it's like are we in a state of like manic Uh, schizophrenia where we're seeing things that are not really there or are they really there and like maybe we should pay attention to some of the information that people that have schizophrenia can see you know and there's certain cultures that value the the feedback from people that are schizophrenic right
1: right absolutely yeah yeah there's a lot of cultures that take a lot better care of their mental health conditions than we do we <laughs> right. actually treat them with reverence yeah and help them through it as there is like um like a stage of like spiritual growth that's going on with that person right now that person's actually really gifted right and um and there's some leadership there but you know we squash it yeah so. we
0: see them all over inner cities mm-hmm. so there's there's people that are actually like homeless because they're Maybe there's there's a bunch of factors. It could be addiction, it could be they lost their job, it could be that they are just actually lazy. Traumatic
1: birth. Traumatic (laughs)
0: birth, yeah. Abuse. (laughs) Um yeah, just all kinds of reasons. But you do see those that are walking the street and they're just like talking to like nothing like they're they're like screaming out to the world and you're like who are they screaming they're like nobody around them it's like mm-hmm. and you know I could kind of relate when I was on like psychedelic medicines right I was like oh my god there's there's stuff around here and I don't know if it's my brain or that's really there in another dimension mm-hmm. can't prove it but I can at least relate that maybe they do live in a world where they see these other beings around that we can't see so right um but back to like babies now like (laughs) right because that's where it all starts right like the miracle of life yep you get to see that like on a daily basis right
1: and never gets old
0: that's amazing yeah Yeah, it doesn't become like you know a routine or
1: well um it doesn't become routine because every birth is different. It really, really is. I mean, you know, just, a, you know, there is a ABC to it pretty much. But, right. There's, but, there's a protocol. Yeah. There's yeah. a process that's happening. Um, and the, we always tell the mamas, the baby always comes out. Because they lose faith in that completely. Mm -hmm. But the baby always comes out. Um, But there's just so many variables in it, Tony. There's like just so many... um, There's so much inner exchange going on. um, Because I feel like my... um, my role is to be the guide in that situation, and not only not only just like, oh, the hardest part where it's so painful or whatever for them, but like, I literally love to like greet them at the door and like, walk them to their room and, like, just sit down with them and give them a few minutes to like talk with me. And sometimes that's not possible because you have so so a woman that's working really hard already. but still, to sit and like really feel. The energy and feel what's going on And feel like what they need Um, So Yes it is uh, An interplay of a lot of dynamics Like what's her Emotional state is she in acceptance Of this is there any hangups Or problems going on between the couple Are there families involved Are there siblings there Am I in a really good healing whole day Or am I super lack of sleep What am I bringing to the table Who's going to be involved? Who's going to be my second nurse? And is that person going to be right for this family when I bring in that person? Who's the midwife? How is she doing today? Is she Mm -hmm. feeling like this is all going well? What's her sense of things? Um, Fear. Is there fear in the room? Is anybody kind of feeling like this might not be going well or they're hesitant of what's to come? So there's all this interplay and it's. I mean, you could imagine like all of those variables, and there's a lot more of them too, change every single time, like so dramatically and um so that's the newness of it and that's like what doesn't get old is so interesting
0: right so that's the novelty because mm-hmm. every birth is different mm-hmm. right just mm-hmm. like every person is different mm-hmm. and there is that process that you have your training with mm-hmm. but you also have like the context of your experience mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i imagine like your first time you know there's so much feedback coming in mm-hmm. so it's hard to like distinguish what was what mm-hmm. you know for mm-hmm. but over time, with the experience, you can kind of like see all the all these variables happening.
1: Right, right, yeah. There's a kind of a discernment and like a protection, even like, um, yeah. I've been doing a lot of qigong lately, and I just recently did a, a model a, a module on the on metal. And metal's supposed to be really good for healthcare practitioners because it's very protective. And um, it helps you to not pick up other people's energy when you're in a healing space and you're healing somebody that's got stuff to heal. So you're not like picking up that energy in you. It protects you and also helps them. Like you could think of like acupuncture needles or metal. And so that's like, you know, something that you can use to heal somebody and put chi through. Um, but also protects you and like that touching process when you touch their body with the metal and it's touching you. Um, so like, you know, kind of thinking about that, like there's like a lot of, um, growth and permutations through all this on like how to like understand the energy that's going on and how to like give the best, but not, um, take it all on and have to like come home with like this heavy baggage at the end of the day and, um, and also be really receptive at the same time because this is a, a, a process that's like the, probably like physically and spiritually the most opening time in a human being's life um, so that that receptivity you want to be really um, aware of that and so that you can pull in and take in what you need to be able to be present and be the um, uh, be that really great support for them.
0: Yeah, uh, there's so many things come into mind for me when I hear you talk about you know the different energies and uh, sort of discernment that's going on, um, you know, what, I feel like human beings should, you know, like travel. Like all of us should have the ability to maybe go to the next town if Mm -hmm. possible Mm -hmm. and kind of see like uh, different ways of people are being in their culture or their neighborhoods Mm -hmm. or, you know, if you're lucky to go to like another state or another country. And I feel like humans should also have a chance to like witness a birth. Mm-hmm. You know, like we've mm-hmm. had that in like sex ed class where mm-hmm. we saw like the miracle of birth. Right. Mm-hmm. And you see mm-hmm. like how like the process gets started, you know, mm-hmm. uh, horny. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> 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 uh,
1: <laughs>
0: and then, you know, the development stages. Right. And so I think about like the exposure of the environment to so the mother and like the father or if the father is even around or, you know, like the type of nutrition that's happening. Mm-hmm. like. You know, some moms, like, actually play music, like, mm-hmm. classical music around, like, the, 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 womb, the, the womb, the baby. Yeah. And um, as it's developing, at what part does the baby's, like, first heartbeat happen? Mm-hmm. Like, when, when does life enter the baby? That's mm-hmm. always been a controversial subject, right? right. And, uh, but also, like, for people that actually if they had an opportunity and not maybe see like a human birth, but like an animal birth, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. another mammal.
1: Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I, it is, it's a miracle every single time and it'll teach you lessons that you won't even, you won't even get until you're there and you, and and you won't get probably any other way. Um, but yeah, I, I think that uh, I, I think that, like sex education in school should all always involve a um a real natural birth and seeing that possibility there um in fact it's kind of funny too because uh my husband runs a school it's a middle school and we were talking about their sex education there and um, and I, you know, I was, had talked to them before, I'm like, I, you know, I want to show your kids a birth, I want to show them a birth, it'd be so great for them to see that. And so we were talking about this year as me coming in as a guest speaker and um, being able to field those questions, you know, and, um, and be able to have them experience that, witness that and, uh, and see what comes of it, you know, because I think, you know, you have so much drama that um, you see in like movies and TV and, stories that you hear like those are a a big one because people love to tell stories about like their cousin's horrific birth experience or whatever you rarely hear stories about like oh my gosh you know I saw this a beautiful birth. It was in candlelight. It was totally silent. You know, when the baby came out, it was in water. It was like, you never really hear stories about life.
0: No, you, know, you only hear the Jaws version of birth. <laughs> Jaws version of birth. Yes,
1: that's awesome.
0: Yeah. I'm never
1: going in that water again. I know. <laughs> No
0: more. I'm never having a baby.
1: No more sex for me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think that that's really an important thing. If you have the experience, if someone's invited you, if you have um, even an interest um, in supporting uh, a family or a friend through birth. And, you know, I got to say, men can be so good at it. So good at it. So like, if you're a man and... You know, it's it's not your wife, you know, but it's somebody close to you, or it's or it's you know a, a family member or something like that. You know, maybe, you know, you're not going to hang out when the baby's going to be pushed out, or, or maybe you will. But um, I've just seen men do like fabulous jobs at um, supporting women at birth. It's just really connecting with another human on a deep level and being there for them. A lot of it's just that quiet witnessing, right? you know? It's not about like telling her to do this or that, although there are methods and you can learn stuff like that, but there's statistics uh, and it's been studied really well about doulas. You know what a doula is? Like a support person, trained support person, right? That's actually what I did before I became a nurse. Um, Just actually having someone sit in the room with quiet presence during a birth lowered the intervention and C-section rate significantly. So, I mean, I think that just, just says a lot about human connection and what we that we need each other and that we need each other in a way that's supportive and accepting and um, not necessarily even active, just there for each other.
0: Right. Mm. Do you have, or uh, are there any a history of sort of pre-training before birth and like other cultures where they have like, I know they do that with the States now, you know, where people can take classes, husband and wife or mm-hmm. parents mm-hmm. can take classes before the birthing process. So it's like, like preparing for right. that. Right. And um, are there indications mm-hmm. of other cultures doing that? where
1: You know, I mean, I think if you're talking about cultures that are really Westernized, I don't know exactly, but I think that's probably pretty similar to what we do here, which is a series of classes to um, get you to understand the process and get you to understand yourself, really, and, like, what do I need through this experience? What do I think I'm going to be supported best by? Um, But in more, um, like, indigenous cultures, you know, they have people, (laughs) You know, like they have people to support them through that experience and they're much generally closer to nature and knowing themselves and how they are a biological being and and what happens and can kind of flow with it more. And also they have like a lot more adaptability in their life. They have to adapt to their environment more than we do. Um, having the comforts. And so that um, kind of just daily dynamic really supports birth because it's just like, oh, holy shit, here comes this, you know, and they can just kind of like go with it you right, know? Right. instead of fighting it. So, um, yeah, so there's a lot of work and uh, I think probably um, more Western um, in general in terms of like dealing with pain because we're so foreign to like having the uncomfortable be comfortable, which we talk about a lot. Yeah, that's
0: just thinking like there's a lot of tension and like buildup before the birth, like this mm-hmm. was whether it's excitement or anxiety or all the, all of the above, right? Mm-hmm. And so I can imagine like the mother going in with all pent up, mm-hmm. whereas like these other cultures where it's just part of their day to day natural world, right? Um, it's like, oh, it's happening right now, right. like there wasn't any like. Pre performance anxiety going on. Right. Like it was just like the body just totally synced up mm-hmm. and the breathing synced up mm-hmm. and there were people around or they could just be in like a, a rice paddy field. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I've mm-hmm. heard those cases where, mm-hmm. you know, one was they squatted when they gave birth, mm-hmm. right? Versus mm-hmm. being in that sort of unnatural
1: lithotomy position is what uh, we call it yeah. on your back with your legs in the air. Yeah, right. <laughs> like
0: that doesn't sound very logical. <laughs> Logical to me you know <laughs> or
1: powerful right? yeah right like you <laughs> have all these birth powerful- is a really powerful experience and yeah you can change the position of it a lot and have it not be so, right
0: and yeah. then there's the uh, option of having a uh, water birth as you indicated mm-hmm. earlier right mm-hmm. so there's many ways to go about it um, my my thought is like you know, the difference in mindset going into the birth between, like, the Western world versus, like, the rest of the world.
1: Right. Yeah, it's true. And I think, you know, what we see, I see a couple of different things there. Like, we have a lot of um, field workers that come up and, like, deliver um, at the hospital. And it's pretty stark. Like, if you're really just somebody that... um you know, has not lived here for long. You or maybe don't even have residence here. You're just working here and you're just getting by. But your life has definitely been a little bit harder. And you can see it. You can totally see it in the people that come in. And they just, they come in in labor you don't even know they're in labor because they are so stoic in their face. And you don't even know that the baby's coming because they're so stoic. And then you're like, oh, holy shit, I better get some gloves on. <laughs> I better get my baseball catcher's mitt ready because it's going down right now. Yeah. Um, so that happens a lot. And that's a thing. That's There's something about, like I was talking before, about adaptability to the environment and having had um, – conditioning for like hard experiences in your life and it just like plays out right there with the birth. so
0: field workers meaning like people working out in the farms or yeah probably
1: yeah. people that came over from mexico uh, yeah and labor here either labor. E- legally or illegally right i don't know often. yeah
0: and they have a different like mindset or or uh presence going into it mm-hmm. where they're just calm and
1: stoic yeah, yeah. Wow! Yeah, it's pretty obvious. And then so here's the stark opposite is that we have women here that are highly educated. They're very mind oriented. They think a lot about their birth. They have a lot of intention for their birth. They write down what they want their whole birth to be like. And they, um, they intend a very like, natural childbirth, don't offer me any drugs. And they get here and they're completely unprepared for the level of intensity that they're going to get.
0: So it's kind of ironic because they're like, planned to the t yep and then it goes all out it's the all
1: like yeah it all totally goes the opposite
0: yeah it's interesting because it's to me like a grand performance of life like this is the stage <laughs> you're delivering a new life into the world and and yeah. you're like a in that way a, a performer and an act you know? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so that, it's it's funny. I mean, you, you wouldn't, it doesn't always work out like that, but I'd say more times than often, like that kind of like planning and um, taking all the right classes and reading all the right books and maybe watching the cool videos um, often doesn't get you ready for just being in the moment with things and letting things, um, letting your mind letting your logical mind go and not trying to control anything letting your animalistic side come in is very difficult and that's the way that you really can get through birth is letting yourself be crazy because it's very animalistic and it's very crazy right and and i just tell women over and over let yourself be crazy you're safe here you know it reminds me we have that other <laughs> no friend. wonder
0: you're laughing when you heard hangry and horny the first time
1: <laughs>
0: right because this yes. is cool because in that environment that you work in you're like yeah there's no pc going on like politically correct it's like you're in a safe space anything goes just let it out mm-hmm. it's part of being human mm-hmm. you don't need to like buffer anything mm-hmm. right
1: yeah absolutely absolutely so and, you know, when you're talking about, like, newness and, like, do I ever get, get tired of my job? Not tired of my job, but, like, does it ever become routine? Like, one of the things that actually does happen on our unit quite a bit is that, you know, my, um, you know, you'll have visitors that are, you know, in the lobby or whatever. Or you may have, like, a, somebody come by and visit you or something like that. Often at my job, you have, like, a howling woman, that's just down the hall from you, and um, it's pretty intense, you know. But all the nurses are walking around like, "Oh, that's fine." You know? <laughs> like, yeah, that's it, we almost don't even we don't hear it as a stress call,
0: right? You know, right.
1: It, Whereas a an, an untrained ear, let's say, yeah. um, would be like, "Holy shit, what's that?" You right. know, like that that person needs some help right now.
0: And you're no, like, no, oh no, no, that's that's They're just okay. normal. Yeah. Yeah. It means the
1: baby's coming actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're
0: like, oh shit. Everybody's like all cool and calm mm-hmm, and mm-hmm.
1: you know. Yeah, maybe eating their lunch. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs>
0: so it's not like you guys are uh, checked out or dissociated yeah, from it. It's no. just like a you know, it's like yeah, this is the natural process. This right. is yeah, like you said, I mean the baby's coming right. out. Right, yeah.
1: right. So it may signal somebody, hey you should go in there because they're ready for you. Right. Um. But it's not, it's not a stress call. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I know. It's yeah. pretty, it's pretty funny. So yeah, not routine. And there are protocols that, you know, that we do have to follow. And uh, my manager shouldn't hear this, but she probably will. Is that, you know, I, I do my best to follow those the best I can, except for that, you know, if there are things that just need to happen in a birth that, you know, might not be... Uh, beautifully perfect to the protocols. I'll try to just kind of squeeze them in the protocols some, right. some gorilla well, like, type way. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's like a, the way I see things, or they're like guidelines, like right. including law, right? Like, because right. most people they have a uh, moral compass, like in there. If you had like some kind of at least a conscience, mm-hmm. you know, an experience, like, or people mm-hmm. that were good, like guides and mentors, you right. kind of learn, mm-hmm. like, you know. It's obvious you don't go around killing people unless it's like self-defense or something, right? right? So it's right. like there's laws in place for people that are just complete idiots,
1: right? You know,
0: right. And so like there's guidelines that are there for you know structure and like uh, just make safety. sure the safety, right. right? And and so you have to have that like awareness, the situational awareness that. Absolutely. It's hard to like, I guess you can train for it. I mean, when I was like learning how to skydive for the first time, like we learned all the safety protocols sure. and like, it's like, what do you do when this situation sure. happened? And flash a picture in front of your face. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, you need to like, you got to be able to make the decision quickly. Right. And what do right. you do when this happens? So, yeah the ability to sort of mm. be trained for it, but also be flexible sure. at the same time Absolutely. where like what intuitively comes up that you might have to say to somebody like, mm-hmm. like, to, to be able to like have them push through the pain, right.
1: keep them safe or whatever it is. Yeah. There's, there's, there's interpretation for sure in those yeah. protocols. And I think we all do our very best to, to serve women and families safely and, um, and so, you know, like you're saying, you know, we'll use those protocols mostly around like the safety factor, right? And yeah, that's that's really an important and interesting thing that you said around training too, because um, you know, we train a lot in our jobs. We have a lot of different drills that we do, and and there's things around safety like that that um, they're muscle memory. Like you do this job long enough, and you know exactly what to do when there's something that's not going right, and you don't even really have to think about it that much, it right? Just, or even think about it at all.
0: It's in some ways like so. There's training to a point it becomes natural, right? Instinct. And so, when a moment happens, it's just instinct, mm-hmm. and and that's why I love like the concept uh, and and living in flow mm-hmm. because. Like, if you get out of your head, like, your body just kind of knows whether it's, like, learning a new movement, right? We get out of our head, we're learning a new dance routine or, you know, a new skill and... It's amazing to see the body just actually doing it on its own. Mm-hmm. And when you're like, I'm coaching people, I'm like, just everything I said, I'm giving you cues. But the moment we step in front of each other and actually, like, for example, do kettlebell partner passing and like throw cannonballs at each other. Mm-hmm. Like, let go of everything I just said and just right. trust that your body will just know. Yeah. And I imagine like after like nursing the same. You right.
1: Know. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you do. And you get... You know, you get into things where, especially with babies, where you're trying to save a baby, where it's just very quick and very, um, uh, very automatic. And I think it's really, you know, it's uh, it's really important, um, uh, you know, who we know in common is Brian Rose. And we had a conversation when we were in London together about how important it is for, um, cause he saw he had had recently had a baby, like when we met up and he's like, dear, I just see how important it is for those like nurses and doctors to just be so like on, and they need to be on in their game and life so that they can come to there and be so present because like, man, they make one wrong decision in some of those critical moments and it's a life or a death decision. So, Um, So, yeah, so we, you know, kind of which gets me sort of on the topic of kind of talking about where I'm going with my work in terms of nurses and Um, self-care. You know, we just talk about how how you you really need to have your game on 100 percent so that you can. Get into that flow. Yeah, exactly. Really, you know? Yeah,
0: be ready when right. that moment happens, right. and you know, get make sure you have enough sleep. Right, and, stay you know, ready. Really, stay ready. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's the beauty of all the emergency responders, you know, and and unfortunately, doctors, police officers, firefighters, like they they have these crazy shifts. <laughs> You know, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. as much as everybody can say that they can uh, operate on very few hours of sleep, like a lot of these errors are happening because of lack of sleep. You know, and and maybe because they're not eating a certain way and not like exercising, taking that self care. So, Mm -hmm. um, before we dive into that, I have like another question with like the protocols. Yeah, I'll
1: talk about birth all day. Yeah, throw at me. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, I was curious because like in the military. For example, like they try to follow, you know, certain processes and protocols and structures, but you know, real life throws you stuff that you may never seen or they've never seen in all the years of wisdom and battle and all this stuff. So the ability of the leading person, the leader, to go back to their leader and, and explain why they made that decision the oh. ability to communicate so oh. it's like it may have uh, gone away from the protocol and sure. then, So, but at least they have this space to say hey this happened I had to make this decision sure. quickly this is why yeah it, it ended up bad I take full responsibility for it yeah. or it ended up good we need to like build this into the new protocol yeah uh, so yeah is that similar in your line of work?
1: So similar, yeah. In fact, it happens in real life and it happens in drills. So we drill intentionally for certain outcomes and um, in those drills we do a, like a mock-up or a sim. And so we've had some pretty good like sim robots too that deliver babies and bleed and all this kind of stuff and either are pink or white or whatever in terms of having blood in their bodies. But um, so we'll do a couple of sims and then we we always debrief and even we we debrief a ton in you know real life situations too so we'll debrief and we'll like go okay what what well okay what do we need to work on, and we'll find these holes like in the process and we have found some pretty big holes that we've been able to like make better by going through these situations and what's great is that the hospital that I work at um center maternity and surgery center i'll just plug it is one of the most amazing places on earth to have a baby <laughs> um it is got a fantastic culture fantastic culture we've worked really really hard on having good culture so there's not a lot of um hierarchy we all work really well as a team together um and you know who really the leader in the room is the person who takes charge it could be a nurse. I've seen it be a nurse many, many times when there's a doctor in the room. And there might be some, like, co-leadership in terms of, like, that um, doctor is really in charge of the mom and the nurse is taking care of the baby or whatever, but... Um, that lack of hierarchy and that uh, work on collaboration is just fabulous.
0: Yeah. Everybody checks the ego at the door. Oh man. Right. And
1: so it really helps you to find processes that work the best and have the best outcomes. Um, So, uh, so we've done a really good job at that. There's been a couple of situations when you said like, you know, having to take the story back to your manager or the administration, like what the hell happened there? You know, And I see those situations just being like social situations. Like we've had some situations with visitors, people that come in that um, just want to take control of everything. And they, they tell you you can't do things that you typically are doing to keep people safe and then having bad outcomes because of that. Um, And so what has to happen in situations like that is you just have to document really well that you did the best you could and you did attempt to like do these things to kind of make the outcome safe and you were thwarted at every turn because that person, you know, and people have autonomy, right? Like if a mother says like, I know I'm hurting too much like I don't want you to put like that monitor on my belly right there because I'm just I need a second or whatever like we're not gonna force them into it you know they're autonomous human beings we have to support that but usually people are really reasonable and like if they think that there's possibly a problem or whatever you know especially a mother towards her baby she's like surrendered completely like do whatever you know make sure the baby's fine yeah um so so yeah so those those protocols are really interesting and it's been a um it's been a cool way to work with people in a culture like that to be able to develop processes that work for the best outcome
0: that's great um what about what's going on with people i've seen it with my my guy friends you know fathers and of course like mothers have been sort of shifted because they've been carrying this baby the full term but Mm -hmm. the moment the baby comes out and the the parents are forever changed like something switches like where it's they become a little more selfless about themselves and it's not about them. It's about their children now. Yeah. And like, what's going on there? What do you, how do you, is like, do you see like a a, a light come on or some sort of like moment, aha moment for these people? Mm. God,
1: I feel so blessed to have witnessed like that so many and, times, of course your
0: own personal experience too, having yeah. three children. So.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that uh, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot to like unpack with that. Um, well, you know, we're put here as humans to like grow old enough to have children right and and like that's kind of like a purpose for us as our species to like move on um and then we're sustained by growing old enough to be able to raise our children to do the same right and that's basically a life cycle you're you could die after that you know that's fine right yeah that's the
0: reality (laughs) right Of, of mother nature. Yeah, exactly.
1: Right? Um so like that's really animalistic way to look at or not really animalistic, I guess it's humanistic too, but like it's just the basics, but um A human animal. Yes, the human animal that the we are, animals. the hungry and horny human yeah, animal. Human animals. <laughs> <laughs> so, um yeah. So I've seen, I've seen that switch. I've seen it. I I recently got to, um, experience, uh, seeing, uh, a couple of dogs have a bunch of puppies too. And, um, my friend that, um, had these dogs was just noticing, um, so many changes in them, um, being dogs having their puppies. And so it was reminding me a lot of what I see in humans, but it was just so basic with them and like, outstanding because it's so different because you know dogs these dogs weren't very old either. These dogs were like maybe a year and a half. So they're like puppies having puppies kind of. And you know, puppies, they're rambunctious. They have like a ton of energy, especially the males. Um, just like human animals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My human animals particularly. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> but um savages. <laughs> Wear that kid out. So, um, yeah, so she was witnessing like, especially the, so the, the mom had, um, the five puppies and she kind of like cordoned off like with the puppies by herself for like, oh, I don't know, maybe a number of days. They kept the male away from them actually for a while. But she said she'd never, ever seen the likes of this before when the male who is always rambunctious, savage, <laughs> came in to see the puppies for the first time. She said she'd never seen her dog like this, like pranced, not prance, tiptoed in there, like so quietly, so cautiously, so carefully and like just so gently And, um, she said it was just amazing to see and that, that was like, what could transpire inside of that dog to change that much and to know that much. And so it's like on that most basic level, it's like, you know, we know what to do. Like our bodies know what to do. I, you know, I don't, I can't imagine the cascade of hormones that had to take place inside of that dog. To be able to act like that, and so the same with fathers. I mean, there's not too many times that you know you see um, men cry, and I've seen so many men cry, and that's a huge hormonal cascade too. Like, what's transpiring? And the, all of the dads that cry, they always make me cry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, if you think I've been a nurse doing this forever? It's like I always have to like turn my back and pretend I'm doing something else <laughs> so that I don't like <laughs> fall into that. <laughs> Um. So... It's a
0: big tear party. It
1: is. <laughs> it is. And it's so beautiful. You almost just want to disappear at that moment because you want it. It's so intimate. And yeah. you want them to have that and share that. And I, I think most of the time, honestly, they don't really care. You know, they're just in their zone and they are having their moment and they don't even really notice, like, who else is talking or um, what else is going on in the room. So, so that... Um, goes from, you know, this beauty and there's this dance that happens, you know, and, and with the dogs, it was similar too, was like the mom really kept the puppies and it was her thing, you know, for quite a number of weeks until the puppies were up and on their own and run around a little bit. So in humans, it's so much like that too. It's like, and I think that that's the part where we really have to, to educate more is, um, how to be a couple when you're early parents and know what's natural and know what is needed. I think a lot of times the dad just feels like there's, they're so in love and they're so into it, but like they don't have a role, you know, she's there breastfeeding really often. The baby cries and responds to her smell and sound like so completely. And so they often have this like, time that's difficult where they feel pushed out and um although the mom is like there's no conscious action of her doing that and so she may feel like oh he's not doing enough like he doesn't really care or he gets to sleep all night there might be some resentment so it's really important before you have your baby is to like work on your issues and so that these kinds of things don't arise without Conscious right. knowing of what's it's going just on,
0: preemptive in a like sort of uh, I guess positive way. You mm-hmm. know, it's like mm-hmm. so you're prepared for these kind of emotions to happen, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. this is like the natural process to right. expect. Uh, that may happen and most of the time it does right yeah. like this is the mother is tending to the the, the baby yeah the yeah. babies and the fathers <clears throat> like now like what did I do oh, like so she's probably not obviously feeling horny right you no. know
1: no horny so he's
0: just sitting there going like, do-do-do-do. What's my job? Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. And you know the, there's lots of things that they're so great about coming in and like, "Oh, the baby's done feeding. Let me change the diaper or let me like hold the baby while you try to get some sleep and this kind of stuff." But because we we um live in such a different world that's not tribal anymore, it's not village-based, like there's no other like support dads or uncles or his dad or whatever saying oh you know son it's it's like this is so normal and this happened to me or that the grandma's coming in and taking the baby for a few minutes so that they can go for a walk together you know or whatever it is that that village mentality will support the relationship as well right because that's only good for the baby and for the growth of that life and for that life to repeat itself so um, it does does take a village and you know, we don't have too much of that going on yeah, in terms of households and right. the way we raise children anymore. Yeah. So um so yeah, I do see a lot of those magical moments to to, to bring it back and um I it's it's a powerful biological process is really, really
0: cool So to see. some sort of <laughs> instincts that are coming through
1: mm-hmm. like something gets so, switched on something
0: gets switched on mm-hmm. like
1: and off I think too.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what's your sense of time, you know, like, going into flow and time dilation? Like, does it just go timeless? Does it speed up? Does it slow down? Like, what's your reality like when all this is, like, going down? Right.
1: Okay, so I'd say from, like, an insider's perspective, you're you're the one that's delivering the baby. (laughs) It's, like, it's pretty trippy. Like, that... Um, it, the, the time should go out the window because you are so absolutely focused on this work that you're doing that's really um, in the moment. Um, you know, I, I can remember a couple of instances where um, I was, you know, in labor giving birth and just being like, whoa, it's like it got dark out. Wait. Oh, wait. The sun's rising. Wait a second. Like it. It was like two in the morning or whatever. How can the sun be out now? So like, the time feeling like it's going by fast. Um, and then the t- and then like the. You know, even though like a contraction supposedly lasts like anywhere from 60 to 90 seconds, like there's like a world in every contraction, a world of pain, (laughs) a world of um, adaptability and intensity that like is not 60 or 90 seconds. It's like a place. It's like a thing that you have to do and go through and you repeat it over and over and over again. So it's a really trippy experience about time because you're, to- you're totally in flow and labor. If you're like letting labor happen, if you're fighting it, you're totally not in flow. Yeah. <laughs> like any flow experience, right? right? Right, From the outside, like it can be kind of trippy like that too, where... Um, Where, like, if you're maybe a very close, intimate person to that um, mother, you might experience times pretty close to that level, too. Um, As a provider, I find that, like, I I can definitely get into that, especially if I have somebody that's working really, really well with labor. And I'm, like, right on the floor with them. Like, I'm doing all the, the contractions with them. I'm breathing with them. I'm helping them through that. Um, touching them. Like you can just get right connected into it. So it must be a vibe. There must be some kind of like vibration that's there that you're working with that you just, it's like you're jumping on board, you know? And so, um, and I don't know if you found this with um, body work, but um, there's like a, almost like a blissed out um, type of experience that you get, or you're just like riding this... Um, this wave of like being connected to another human being and helping them. Um, that used to happen to me like quite often doing bodywork and massage where yeah. you're just totally blissed out and so Especially that,
0: like afterwards. Like yeah. during I'm like really present.
1: Okay. okay. And sometimes
0: like in the beginning you're like sinking up and yeah. you know, you're watching their breath you're, And you're, you're like
1: matching breaths. Matching sometimes. breath. Yeah. You're like
0: asking them if the pressure is like too much too little yeah and then there's a moment where like maybe they're talking a lot and yeah and then you just hear this like big sigh and then Mm -hmm. they like drop into this other space yeah and you're at the same time synced up in that space too so you're like fully present moment and then you realize like holy crap like time just flew by right done
1: i didn't even do their
0: legs (laughs) yeah yeah. sometimes that happens right (laughs) you're just like and and they're just like just feeling amazing and um, and then at the end, like you part ways, and then there's this sort of flood of what's been uh coin helpers high. Mm-hmm. So anybody in the service industry, whether it's you know a, a nurse mm-hmm. or a massage therapist right. or even uh just customer service, whatever mm-hmm. you're you're volunteering mm-hmm. there's there's this like really addictive feeling that you get right. from helping people. Right. And, uh, you know, I forget which organization it was, but they that was a big deal. Like I think there's more research being done on mm-hmm. like what type of neurochemicals and hormones mm-hmm. are being released mm-hmm. when somebody actually helps people. Right. You know, right. so it's that bliss feeling for right. sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's definitely been some moments of time dilation. And I think that, a lot of times i um I won't get to be at a birth like that, so like every opportunity that i have um i'll I'll go for that and um we're you know we're lucky in terms of that you know, um the way that we make assignments for our job in the morning when we start out is pretty um it's pretty sharing, you know, like we know that there are certain because my unit's actually very um <clears throat> interesting in that we you know, a, a lot of hospitals will, will take women and they'll have like a laboring unit and then they get moved someplace else after they have their baby. And we just, you know, you get to your room, you have your baby, you stay in your room and you stay, your hospital stay. So we, for whatever it is, a couple of days or whatever. And, um, So our nurses, so there's an intensity to like taking care of a laboring woman where you don't have any other patients. You just do the birth. And then if you, if there are not enough of those to go around, then you take like a mother baby couplet and they're both your patients and you'll probably take like three of those so you'll have like six patients um so we share you know like there we know that there are certain ones of us that really like to do labor and there are certain ones that like really don't and they'd rather do babies and moms so um so everybody knows me and knows what I like and they're like oh you know Tara you'd be great for her you know um So that way, you know, there's, like, there's a good, like, matchup of, like, patients to nurses to kind of see what will work best.
0: Okay. On the Mm -hmm. woo side. (laughs) (laughs)
1: There we go again. Woo-woo. Woo-woo.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, you talked about energies earlier. And, you know, I want to kind of let the audience know like they're we're actually electrical beings I mean there's diagnostic tools in hospitals everybody's familiar of the EKG Mm -hmm. or ECG as some people would call it for the heart rate monitor so that's electrical it's a signal coming off of every individual's heart that's hooked up to that monitor there's also brain waves right so that's electrical waves in the brain and then there's muscle waves or connected tissue waves I mean that's EMG the brain the EEegs. So you know when you're talking about like things like Chi that's kind of, kind of like a language of like the Eastern uh, philosophies right And so um, what exactly um, how would you define like energy or Chi like being a nurse? you know, and when, when you're witnessing a human being, it's basically a sum total of all their energies, mm-hmm. which is the brain, the nervous system, mm-hmm. the, the heart, mm-hmm. and then all the organs and muscles or right. all, all muscle tissues and right. bones so right. and skin. So, you know, that's a collective energy battery if sure you want to look at it that way. Absolutely. And, and so when you're dealing with the mother or like a, a, a new baby that's coming out, like there's like heat coming off of these things, mm-hmm. you know, these little creatures. Right. And, and, uh, so what's, what's your concept of energy and like, mm-hmm. how do you apply what you know through like studying uh, Qigong and mm-hmm. some of these Eastern philosophies mm-hmm. and how do you apply that to nursing?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, um, one really good and this doesn't have to do so much with woo-woo or energy is one really good um outcome of me being able to study um uh Martial arts in general, I would say, is that it's supported my body really well through nursing. Like, we get into some funky positions, and um, I know how to move correctly so that I don't hurt myself. You know, a lot of nurses I've seen over the years injure themselves. So that's, like, an aside, but, like, that's—I'd say any of you out there that— you know, or thinking about doing nursing, like, please couple it with some kind of um, uh, body movement practice that's going to support your knowledge of ergonomics and how to properly move the body in space so that you don't hurt yourself. Um, I had comments from lots of doctors and midwives over the years. It's like, why are you standing like that? I'll often get in a bow stance when I'm, like, pushing, right? Because I'm using my legs. You know that from massage, right? why are you standing like that? And it's like, well, here, let me show you like this actually works really good for your (laughs) back. So, um, and
0: you're, you're not that, they're not a big person. Right.
1: Right. So, you know, we get in having to like move people and it's like, Oh, okay. Well, you know what? I'm going to be smart about this. I know, you know, even though your legs are anesthetized, you can move your upper body. So I'm going to let you pull and I'm going to help with, you know, this other person and then we're going to help you move but um yeah so that's been a really really great thing um also when you're using proper body mechanics too like energy flows right so not only like may i i, I might be like in this um in this bow stance and I, I don't know i think in um in yoga is it called like warrior, or, the warrior yeah, stance. yeah 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 okay or the warrior pose uh, yeah or, or sometimes they call it like a long stance or a stride stance anyways um you, energy can move from the ground like through your body really really well so if you're touching or there's like any intent like that like it's a those kind of um that position in particular is a really good way to like send energy from the earth to the patient um on the other hand like looking at our humans as energetic beings um looking at my patients that way you know i'd say that um one thing that I'm really uh, particular about doing in my practice is walking into a room <clears throat> and kind of zeroing my energy out. And I can be like doing something super like frantic or I'm not frantic, but sometimes it gets so busy where you're just like, <laughs> okay, okay, I gotta do this, 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 this. And then I'll walk into a room and I know that like I've been called into there for like a delivery or something and like just standing by the door for just a second and taking a couple of just slow breaths and like just grounding that energy right down to the earth. Like let it go. Okay, here and now it's like totally brand new moment. Po- totally brand new like world. I kind of look at that as there's like a little universe going on in that room. And I'm going to enter that space really carefully. And then... Um, Depending on what's going on in there, I just really try to to read it all, and I think that it's just helped me. And like, I, I don't know if I'm going to speak in terms that like make any kind of like academic sense in terms of uh, of qigong or, or or any kind of uh, eastern studies, but the way that I see it and feel it is that I'm I'm just looking at everybody, and I'm um, I'm sensing where they are with their energy, and I'm finding my place. So what's missing here? <clears throat> what um, needs to be added? Um, what's maybe not so good? And maybe I can balance it a little bit. Um, I All this is taking place consciously, but then there's some kind of unconscious things, I think, that are going on with me in that too. So... Um, Depending on where the family's at, you know, like I had said before, like I really try to get a sense of them. And I I, I mean, I don't want to be sounding too weird and I don't say this too often, but like I will see what's around their body you know i will i i mean like checking out like auras or whatever it is like it's more of like not as much of a visual thing to me as it is a sensing thing
0: sensing yeah right, like a feeling yeah
1: it's like oh not so close back off or get in closer like there's a magnetic there's a pull there they need you there yeah um
0: and you so, can see body language right, too, right? right. yeah
1: yeah so um so i think that that's the way that that i work with that and and sometimes it's just so tony it's so obvious and so um tangible that like you just have to come in and like really touch and really love and really um be that um specific about it and um outward about it. Sometimes it's a little bit more of like, I got to tiptoe in here and and not really be visible. Um, but be ready when the ready time comes. So there's all different ways. And I think when the baby's born, like, yeah, there's almost like an explosion. I mean, I know that sounds kind of crazy, but, um, the 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 heights that that happen when when that baby comes out and that newness and that life it it is just um, giddying like right. it just throws you for a spin of like wow um, so yeah so I mean being that like kind of that blank slate that they are they're not they come in with that birth experience they come in with that in utero experience right but there's just so much potential right there
0: yeah and it's tangible Mm. amazing yeah so on the self-care side Mm -hmm. that you're now putting out to the world Mm -hmm. for uh, nurses and other people Mm that um maybe are in the service Mm -hmm. industries Mm -hmm. um can you like go deeper into that like what inspired you to start doing that
1: sure sure um i have to um give my husband a little bit of credit here because he knew that i what's up rob (laughs) thank you honey um so he knew that i was super interested in branching out from my work and um he knew that i was really interested in health and healing And um, so I was just kind of coming up with, well, here's going back a little bit further than that. Like, um, so I attended a class through London Real called the Business Accelerator. And so I knew that I wanted to do something. and, And one of our assignments that Brian gave us was to create 10 vlogs in 10 days. Right. And so, um, I just kept putting out these vlogs that had to do with like paying attention to yourself, taking care of yourself, being a mother and taking care of yourself, um, being in relationships and taking care of yourself, um, being with your, being with other nurses and taking care of each other. So these, these vlogs kept on like hitting these points. And, um, and so I kind of looked at all of them and I looked at the comments that people gave me around them. And, um, and so, uh, my husband said to me, he's like, you know, I just don't think that there's like anybody out there that's trying to help nurses take better care of themselves. And they, that seems like a really empty spot. Because you see all these, like, the shift work, right? And you see um, people having problems with sleep and people having to... Weight problems. Yeah, exactly. Health problems, um, dietary problems, you know, just a lot of stuff. Right, right, right. They don't socialize because they're just so burnt out and they're kind of stuck in their house on their days off. So um, he's like, you know, you just keep... Vlogging about these ideas of being like helpful and um offering like different mindsets for for these nurses he's like i i just think this is a great niche you should really look into it um and so i think within like it, maybe even already happened i think it had already happened i said that's it and i know the name of the company it's called nursing ourselves and he's like oh Nursing (laughs) ourselves—that has a ring to it. We could all do that, you know. So, um, so that was kind of the birth, and there was like a little bit of a backstory even to that too, because getting into Brian's program um, or class—I'm
0: sorry, you're burning up here. (laughs) You know what? I know. I was like scrambling from.
1: um, I might even like switch spots with you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Where like the sun could be at my yeah, for sure. You want to do that? Let's
0: do that. Yeah, let's switch over. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, thank you, Tony. Yes. Fair Irish yeah. skin. <laughs> Thanks you. Yeah. Um so this is like really going on right about a year right now. Like um we had the eclipse, right? A year ago. hmm Um, we had uh like the massive um fires up in uh, Santa Rosa and we had the triad of um, the big old uh, hurricane that happened down in Houston, right? Those three three things happened like right in a row, like within a month. And there was something about that time that was like, what the hell is going on? And um, I ended up going to uh, a Michael Franti concert. Oh, right. And just, (laughs) he came like into Santa Cruz. It was like, I think actually he's coming again. It's like the end of September. And just got out there with people and just like, as typical is at his concerts just danced just and like, let just, loose. oh yeah, and there was just like so many stories going on. Like he would stop and tell a story, and then like he would like have like the like my kids went up on stage with them and all dance, you know. And I saw all these friends that like I didn't even know were at the concert. And we were all hanging out. It was just like this really big like release. And so, like, it was the very next day that I signed up for um, the course, and I was at work, and I was, like, practically shaking. Like, I looked at it. I had seen—I I watched his webinar. I've been watching a lot of his the, videos. The uh, Lending Real Academy yeah, yeah, course. Yeah, okay. for the Business Accelerator course. Yeah, with
0: Brian Rose.
1: Yep. And um, I, like, saw him, like, talking about it, and I was like, holy shit. Like, this is what— it's leading me to like all these changes like me feeling like I wanted to do something different from what I was doing and I was I I called up my husband I'm like I think I'm gonna like sign up for like this business course and he's like do it
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Rob, yeah,
1: <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm like, well, so you're you're gonna be okay with me like spending? I'm gonna have to like spend hours, you know, doing like study and like homework assignments and stuff, and like, you, like you're good with that because it's gonna like change some dynamics and stuff. And he's like, do it, <laughs> <laughs> do it, do it. It <laughs> was totally like that. I mean, we, it was a little bit more like in depth, but like he said that a couple times to me. Like, okay, I'm going to do it. Um, So anyways, that was kind of how that um, all like got started and so everything really else uh, unfolded from there you know like I started meeting people around the world that were nurses I started meeting people all over the country I got to do like a really fun affiliate program with another nurse that works on the east coast that's okay. doing a similar thing okay um, people call me up that are nurses like yeah. from time to time nice. and just want to chat with me and like you know kind of kind of uh, let me know like what they're up to and um, or either wanting a little support or help, or maybe they're even on some kind of a wavelength that's similar to mine, but um, a little, has a little bit of a different flavor. Okay. So I've just gotten to meet so many people, and there's been so many projects that have been born even from this. I'm working with a group of of people. Um, I think. All of them are London Real graduates too. um, Called the the uh, Radiant Group, and uh, we put on a Wellcare Summit up in Canada last year. That was uh, pretty like in BC. Yeah, 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 in Tofino, BC. Yeah, Yeah. pretty, pretty like health provider focus, but not all. Um, Okay, you know, some people were artists and doing their photography of all of us there, and some people were like movement experts.
0: Yeah. um, but all care, focus care on practitioners well care, yeah know? I'll right. focus
1: on well care so there's been a lot of birth to it and um, it's helped me to grow more too and kind of finding out like how what's my best audience and how can I reach people so the growth um, arm that happened from from that was that um, what I see a lot of uh, lack in terms of self-care is what we were just talking about before is new mothers with babies. Yeah, and, you just
0: like read my mind there.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah and them taking care of themselves because, you know, I mean, I talk to you all the time about like how um interesting it is to be a mother and what I get to do in terms of taking trying to um, do like the best job of like feeling gratitude all is offered to me in terms of like raising my children and right. being a wife and being a yeah like person so many
0: hats and, to wear yeah right. exactly and then a the business yeah yeah and, yeah and not
1: pushing it like not right. like um not uh trying to force things to happen because they they all have this incubation embryonic per- period before like there's an obvious burst forth like that that day when I joined that class, like that was one of those times where there was like some incubation and some things happened. then it was like, boom, there it goes like that. Now it's birth and now you have to do something. Right. Um, so, so waiting for those cues from the universe to tell me it's ripe and it's time to give birth. So, um, so yeah, so seeing these postpartum women, not really knowing how to care for themselves in this newness, and never having to have somebody that's so dependent on them. And so um, I'm, I've am i written this uh, little book that uh, I'm working on. I actually made a goal for myself to finish it by the end of September. And it's called 52 Ways to Love Yourself Postpartum. And so, you know, that love yourself and caring for yourself it's like all wrapped up into one bundle and i think that there's a lot of like empowerment needs there like postpartum depression is a really big thing right and it's been kind of swept under the rug it's starting to like be have some awareness around it now but i think that it it's partly a really big thing because one we don't have that village support that we talked about um for many generations now Um, Two, there's not really a very good education around the process of like, what do you do? How do you relate? How do you relate with your partner? How do you relate with your baby? How do you relate with the outer world? Um, And also, there's just not very much empowerment in the woman in general in terms of like, this is an amazing time, you know? So I think that we have the opportunity to actually talk about something called Postpartum bliss As well Hmm. I think it's very um, Attainable For a lot of people It's a mindset change And not to Belittle Or devalue That people don't have Postpartum depression Because it's a real thing But I think that With those um, Three things That I talked about In terms of it Not being a great time in women's lives is because we can support those things so that you can have the environment of having an opportunity for bliss Mm -hmm. and gratitude during that time. So this little book's an offering, like it's 52 ways you can look at it to allow yourself to be empowered to take care of your emotions and also give you some just practical tips on things to do.
0: That's so, cool. Yeah. As we wrap up, can you uh, elaborate more about like having that like long-term Vision process versus like short term Mm -hmm. like especially being a mother Mm -hmm. you like kind of talked about like even your own fitness goals Mm -hmm. of like three weeks to shredded abs you know (laughs) like you hear this all the time of people like wanting like to get results quick but it's not sustainable and then how you wake up an hour early Mm -hmm. like although you can get eight hours of sleep you choose to get seven Mm -hmm. so that you actually have an hour of your own alone time before Mm -hmm. you have to take care of your kids your husband's Mm -hmm. needs your work needs Mm -hmm. your own business needs pick them up from school the kids Mm -hmm. all that stuff so right
1: right long-term vision i think is just such a it's just like such a basic, you know, and I think that our culture has a, lo- a hard time with long term vision. Everything has to be the quick fix. Everything has to be gri- get rich quick. Everything has to be the magic pill. Um, so, you know, I mean, w- we know. Right. We like we know these things are generally well, they're almost always never true. You know, yeah. almost always never. But they're really not true. So um,
0: it takes work. It does, and effort, slow, and
1: slow and steady wins the race. Yeah. you know, so that you're, if you're always developing and you're always growing in your life, this lifelong learner, it's just like, well, who really cares if there's this like amazing like wrapped up present at the end of it or not it's like you know it's the process is what you did as you went along um, so you know more about the path and the way and like what I'm working on is developing this business to to be something that I can grow human capital out of because I had a many years where I just really wanted to go back to school and I, I mean I have two degrees I have one in nursing and I have one in anthropology like we said but I really wanted to go back to school and be a midwife I really thought that that's what I wanted to do um but uh, I I realized that I already am a midwife you know and even though I'm not the one that's like got those letters behind my name it's like it's a bigger vision than that And I midwife people not just in birth, too. I midwife people in just birthing themselves. So um, I think that that is, uh, you know, this calling that I had to want to go back to school. But I just knew that it wasn't really in the cards in terms of the time that it would take me and pull me out of, like— the career mode that I was currently in into something else and not be able to support my family as well. And I have a college age child already that, you know, we're helping through school. So like all those pieces were not fitting together. How can I create human capital? Like what would be something that I could do? Well, you just have to educate yourself. You have to keep growing. And so I thought, well, if I, you know, learn along my way and create a business and put, some kind of outlook on it that's maybe going to come to maturity when my kids are becoming an adult, then that would be a way for me to like move out of the hospital. And maybe attain some kind of relationship with the hospital maybe on some contractual level or maybe on doing support and self-care for the hospital um but um like retire and not really retire because i don't really see myself like as in retirement but like grow into more of like a consulting sort of phase where i could travel a lot more um and be meeting these people whereas now you know i feel really bound to this land that we're on because you know i'm here that's 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 our spot. That's where we have our family. That's where we raise our children. Um, So although I do love to travel and will do so occasionally, I see myself more as being a little bit more freed up to do that with my husband as our kids are older and and maybe in colleges or starting families themselves.
0: Right, right. So um, long vision. Yeah, (laughs) long vision. And, you know, basically you like to sort of, work consistently over time instead of like doing things like quick and fast mm-hmm. you you're just consistent with yeah. your workouts you yeah. know you've talked about like learning like when to rest more when right. you like you feel fatigue um syncing up with like the menstrual cycle you're mm-hmm. gonna run these experiments mm-hmm. you know where you're like why is it that a certain time of the month am i like really tired
1: mm-hmm. you know, are maybe? my gi's all fucked up like, yeah right <laughs> Like, why does it always happen on day 22 or whatever right. that experiment is so
0: there's there's like many different forms of pms symptoms mm-hmm. that they're now discovering mm-hmm. you know and each person each woman has to really sort of take notes and track like day one of you know, the men's like the whole cycle of mm-hmm. the menstru- menstrual cycle mm-hmm. and all the way to like the end, right? And then see like what the energy levels are and right. like how much time did you sleep, right? What did you eat, did you exercise, did you just take a nap, like mm-hmm. all these different things of self care that mm-hmm. you're now tracking so that mm-hmm. you get a better understanding on how your systems work,
1: right? Right, with and how to support rhythm. ourselves and know ourselves better,
0: right? Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. well, Tierra, that's. That was an awesome, awesome time. Um, how can people find out about you? How can they reach out to you?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, you can come to uh, my website, um, which is nursingourselves.com. Uh, you can shoot me an email at tiara at um, You can find me on Facebook at Nursing Ourselves. I'm on Instagram, to Twitter, LinkedIn, all the same name. Um, so, yeah, please, please reach out. Uh, let me know what you're doing. And, um, I just love to connect with people that are like these lifelong learners like yourself, Tony. Yeah. Um, their lifestyle. Right? Absolutely. You know, on various fields, various subjects. So like if there's somebody out there that maybe is doing something totally different than me, but sees a link up, like I want to talk to you. Awesome. I want to know more about what you're doing.
0: Well, thank you for coming on to hangry thanks, and horny. Tony. Thanks for being hangry and horny. With oh you.
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Thank you everybody.
1: Yeah. Thanks.
0: Thanks for tuning in, everybody, on this latest episode of Hangry and Horny with special guest Tiara Owen. Shout out to Tiara for teaching us, for doing a little self-care, taking the time for ourselves, nursing ourselves, will give us a lot of the outcome, the quality of life that we want and to be able to be the best version of ourselves in our lives and with others on this spinning blue marble that we live on. So thank you, Tiara. Also, a big shout out to my sponsor at DropinFbomb.com. They make delicious nut butters that are great for the go for a quick meal. So if you're interested in getting some healthy fats in your diet, this is one of the best ways to do it. So go to FatBomb.com or DropinFbomb.com and use the promo code FLOWREAL at the checkout. That's spelled F-L-O-W-R-E-A-L. And i will get you 20% off of your first order. Lots of love to you guys that are supporting the show. I really appreciate the listens, the shares. And uh, until next time, have an amazing day or evening wherever you are in the world. And see you on the next episode of Hangry and Horny. Mwah. Love ya.